Well, Merry Christmas again. My name is Dave Furman. I serve as one of the pastors of Redeemer Church of Dubai. And once again, just want to welcome you to our annual Christmas Eve celebration where we come together to celebrate God who has come to us. If you're new to us, we meet here every Friday morning in a ballroom across the hotel. We meet in identical services at 9 and 11 a.m. So you can find us uh, every Friday. I often remember what my first pastor used to say after he preached on Christmas Eve. He would preach, he would then pray, and then before he stepped down from the pulpit, he would look up briefly to the congregation and he would say, see you at Easter. Now, some of you got that joke. For the rest of you, it'll come to you later on tonight. I just want to tell you my, my heart tonight. My heart is that it won't be until Easter before we see you again. I want you to know that you are most welcome to join our community. We're glad that you're here. We rejoice that you're gathered together with us here tonight. And I want you to know that you're invited to join us every Friday. In just a few days, on the 28th, I'll be preaching through Psalm 150, the last psalm in the Psalter, and we'll be looking back at 2018 and praising God for what he has done in our midst. We meet here every Friday as a large group, but we meet throughout the week in a variety of different ministries. Later on this evening, you can look through your bulletin and you'll find a number of ways that we gather together throughout each week. Well, all are welcome here. As you can see from the attendance tonight, we have a multitude of nationalities. I think we have at least 60 different nations that gather together every Friday. So whether you're from Pakistan or Paraguay or Panama or Papua New Guinea, you are welcome to join us. I also want to invite you to our Christmas Day service tomorrow. We'll be gathering again at 10.30 a.m., at the World Trade Center in DIFC with uh, several other churches here uh, in the country. So join us again in the morning. Well, for many of you, all this talk about Christmas Eve and Christmas is a joy to you. It's exciting. You love Christmas. You've been looking forward to Christmas all year long. For you, it's been a great year. But for others, it's hard to enjoy this season. Maybe this has been a really, really hard year. Maybe you've lost a loved one. Maybe you have faced relational stress and strife, financial struggles, physical trials. Well, friend, if that's you, just before we even look at the text, I just want to tell you that I'm sorry and we grieve with you. We grieve with you. It's been a tough year for you. I want to tell you some good news tonight. There are many weary hearts in the room, and I want to tell you some good news. Do you want to hear some good news? I want to tell you the best news. I want to give you a message of Christmas cheer for all to hear. I want to give you the true message of hope this Christmas. But to understand this message of hope, we need to know that Christmas is actually the middle of the story. Now, all of history before the birth of Christ pointed to this birth, pointed to this event. But it's not just any birth. 
No, it's the birth of the eternally begotten Son who became flesh and dwelt among us. Oh, he's not just any baby. Oh, he is God in the flesh. And here's the main point of our celebration this evening. Come. Come and adore him. Worship Jesus, for he is Christ the Lord. Come and adore him. Worship Jesus, for he is Christ the Lord. Now, if Christmas is the middle of the story, we have to go back to the beginning. And in the very beginning, it was good. God created everything. But then pretty quick, that good story took a wrong turn. At first, it wasn't a happily ever after kind of story because God's creation, Adam and Eve, the first two humans, they were made in God's image. They were made to walk in the garden with him, to be in perfect fellowship with him. God gave them everything, and yet they turned aside away from God. They thought they knew better than God did as to how they should run their life. So that pure bliss quickly turned when they believed a lie. They doubted God. They were suspicious that God was keeping something from them. They rejected God, and that sin separated them from God. And along with our subsequent sin, all of us were separated from God and deserved death and judgment. We've all turned away from God. The Bible is clear about this. But we confirm this with our very lives. We don't need anyone to tell us that we're sinful. We know we are. For those of us that have children, you don't have to teach your child to sin. They naturally struggle with disrespecting their parents, despising the sharing of their toys, coveting what someone else has. Now, an example of this is what I often call empty donut box incidents. Here's how they go. These happen when the donut box is empty, and I call the children into the kitchen, and I line them up, and I say, okay, kids, who ate the last donut? Because that was daddy's donut, and I was waiting until this very moment to eat my donut. So I got them lined up there, up in the front, and the first kid says, not me, dad, not me. Another kid says, well, it's probably so-and-so over there. A third kid says, oh, daddy, I love you so much. I would never do that to you. And then there's the last kid, the one with the chocolate all over their mouth, who says, daddy, what's a donut? We had donuts? Well, we laugh, but that's no different from us as adults, is it? From birth to death, Sin defines our lives. We worship money, jobs, people as though they were God. We fail to honor our parents. We entertain lustful or hateful thoughts. We steal time, money, opportunities, reputations. We lie to make ourselves look good. We covet our neighbor's blessings. Now, all of us have sinned from birth until death. And it's especially horrific because eternal death and judgment is the punishment for crime against an infinitely holy God. Well, throughout the Old Testament, you see attempt after attempt of man trying to save himself. God gave good laws, commandments to keep, 
but no one could keep them. There were sacrifices you could make when you failed to keep the commands, but even those wouldn't ultimately suffice because it was sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice. It was a a crazy cycle. You could never do enough to atone and to cover your sins. Then there were judges who would rise up to lead the people of God, but they couldn't save. But they pointed to a greater judge who would come. And even kings would rule. Well, they couldn't rescue, but they pointed to a greater king who would reign. A series of prophets rose up, but they couldn't save either. They pointed, though, to one who would save. In the prophecy of Micah, hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus, he told the people that a rescuer would be born in a small little town called Bethlehem. But then after all this, all the prophecies, all the kings, all the judges, all the sacrifices, after all of that, silence. So many prophecies. A deliverer would come. A deliverer would come. A deliverer would come. But then nothing but silence. 400 years of complete and utter silence. And then it happened. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. The silence was broken. Here's the good news of great joy for all the people. Oh, come, come and adore him. Worship Jesus, for he is Christ the Lord. This was a, a baby born who is due all of our worship. Now, the shepherds would figure this out. There was a sign for them, a sign pointing them to recognize that very baby and to attest to the truth of the angel's words. In Bethlehem, you would find a child wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. This was the promised one that all of history was pointing to. This is God in the flesh who had come to save his people from their sins. The one in swaddling cloth who was snugly wrapped in long strips of cloth giving him warmth and protection. This was the promised Savior. These swaddling cloths were a sign of his divinity. But if you look closer at the Bible, God's word is filled with episodes of Jesus' garments highlighting the divinity of this one. I mean, listen to just some of these. The same baby who we'd later see grow up, we see was shining radiantly in an event called the Transfiguration. Jesus went up on the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered and his clothing became like a dazzling white, like a flash of lightning. He appeared like a heavenly being. The point was this was no ordinary man. He was completely righteous, pure, and without sin. He was more than a man. He is Christ, 
the Lord. In his divinity, Jesus had the ability to heal people instantly. You could read throughout the Gospels in your Bible and you could see Jesus healing a multitude of people. But one instance always catches my eye as I read through the Bible. And it is the story of a woman, a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years and spent all her money on doctors and no one could heal her. But she believed that Jesus could heal her. And coming upon Jesus in the midst of a busy crowd, she grabbed just the very fringe of his garment, just the little tip of his clothing, and instantly she was healed. Oh, this was no ordinary man. He was more than a man. He is Christ the Lord. Just before his death at a dinner called the Last Supper, Jesus was gathered with some of his closest followers, his disciples. They were to eat together. The men, his disciples, had been out all day. Their feet would have gotten quite dirty, and at dinner they would recline together. And so, as custom would have it, as the men would enter the room, there would be a servant there to wash each man's feet. But on this occasion, there was no servant, and the men would walk in quietly, awkwardly, looking around for who was going to wash their feet, but they just stood there in silence, maybe stunned. And then Jesus comes in, and what does he do? Well, he takes off his outer garment, and he becomes that servant. He wraps a towel around his waist, and he washes the disciples' feet. It was absolutely stunning, so much so that the disciples couldn't even take it, and Peter says, stop. Oh, this was more than a man. This was no ordinary man. This is Christ the Lord. Well, eventually, though, after all the miracles, after all the preaching, after the healing, after all that Jesus had done, oh, the rulers had had enough. They felt threatened. Business owners were struggling at the temple. Leaders were jealous. And they killed Jesus. The soldiers stripped him and divided his garments among themselves. The leaders mocked him, saying, He saved others, but he can't save himself. But see, nobody ended Jesus' life. Not the people, not the rulers, not those who nailed him to a cross. Jesus laid down his life willingly. He was born to die. Even though he had the power to free himself and to defend himself, he quietly and faithfully did what no mere human could do. He rested fully 100% in the sovereignty and providence of God. Oh, he was no ordinary man. He was more than a man. He is Christ the Lord. Well, hours later, Jesus died on the cross. He was put in a grave. Now, 33 years after Jesus' birth, we're, in a sense, right back where we started. And the story of Christmas started in a manger with Jesus wrapped in swaddling cloths. Now at the end of his life, he's wrapped again, this time in linen cloths and laid in a tomb. But this isn't the end of the story. If Christmas is the middle of the story, then Easter is the second to last 
chapter of the story, that climactic second to last chapter, because on the third day, two women named Mary went to the tomb. They went to check out what was going on there, and they saw that the stone, the large stone in front of the tomb was rolled back, and Jesus was nowhere to be found. There was an angel, though, an angel described as having clothing as white as snow, said to the women, Jesus has risen. Jesus is alive. And the woman ran. They told the disciples. The disciples couldn't believe it. The text says Peter ran to the tomb, and he gets there, and there's no Jesus. All he could see there in the tomb is a pile of Jesus' linen cloths. He marveled at the sight. Oh, Jesus was no ordinary man. He was more than a man. He is Christ the Lord. As Jesus rose from the dead, sadness turned to gladness. Jesus was alive. All the claims, all the prophecies, all the images, they all come together in this moment. It was a prophecy in the book of Daniel where we're told the ancient of days, the Savior himself, would have clothing as white as snow. And he did. Well, Jesus is the deliverer that all the scriptures point to. Well, friends, this is good news. This is good news for the weary heart. It's because Christmas is not about Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. It's not about shopping festivals and Christmas trees. It's not about whether Santa Claus has you on the naughty or nice list. Oh, friends, Christmas is all about Jesus. Christmas is all about Jesus. Christmas is the middle part of God's epic grand story of salvation. And the resurrection is that climactic second to last chapter. But, oh, friends, you need to know that the final chapter is yet to come. One day, the same Jesus will come back for his people, again wearing a robe of white. Oh, if you turn to Jesus in repentance and faith, he will clothe you not only with a robe of white, but a robe of righteousness. Now, friend, 2018 may have been a difficult year for you. If that's you, I am sorry. Our elders are sorry. I want you to know that Jesus cares about you. Jesus really, really cares about you. He didn't just put on our clothes. He put on our flesh. He knew what it meant to be tempted. The Savior knew what it meant to suffer loss. He understood what it was like to cry tears and to be betrayed. He felt physical pain. He was ignored by friends. He lost loved ones and even tasted death. The Savior identified with us in every way. Oh, Jesus wants to comfort you in this trial and in all trials. But more than that, he wants to save you from your sin and to reconcile you to God. Oh, this Christmas, the greatest gift you can receive isn't under a Christmas tree. The greatest gift you can receive isn't something you'll unwrap tomorrow morning with your family or with your friends. Oh, the greatest gift you can receive isn't under a Christmas tree, but is one purchased for you on another tree, the cross of Christ. 
This one really is a gift. It's not something you can earn. Perfection is needed, and only Jesus embodied that standard. Oh, acknowledge your sin, repent of it, believe in Jesus to save you, and he will. For God so loved the world that he gave us a gift that was not wrapped in wrapping paper, but in swaddling cloths. Oh, God came to us, receive Jesus, let every heart prepare him room. This Christmas, come and adore him. Worship Jesus, for he is Christ the Lord. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we thank you for Christmas. We thank you that this holiday celebrates our greatest hope. It's a hope that's not found in ourselves, but in King Jesus. This baby in swaddling cloths in a manger was the King of kings and the Lord of lords. This baby was born to die. Oh, to save us. This one born as a helpless baby. This one who identified with us in every way. Oh, he was the one who came to save us. Oh, may we worship him now and forevermore. Oh, we pray this in the mighty and precious and saving name of Jesus. Amen.